And so we get to the club at like 4.30 in the morning. And I'm like, wow, all right. So I guess we'll be done at like, what, seven? Uh And so we get on, like he starts playing at 4.30. And I'm like, all right, cool. We could get around to 6.30. I'm like, all right, almost done. 7.30, 8.30, 9.30. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa is this like, <laughs> I, look, I looked at uh, Brett, his manager. I'm like, is this normal? He's like, this is normal. Get ready. <laughs> and then we end up going until noon. What? Yeah. Welcome back, Rock Nation. Today we have on our much cooler new roommate, Lonre Aiko. <laughs> Just as cool. Lana <laughs> is a photographer and videographer from Sacramento who has been touring with the DJ Fisher for the past year and a half. We barely see the guy because he's on tour so much, so we're happy to have him on the pod today. Everyone, please welcome Lonray to the show. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank you, guys. I'm so to finally be here. Talking a huge game for the last week and a half on the one-handed crack. So without <laughs> oh, further yeah. ado, please give us the one-handed crack. All right, so the rules, right? Just got to be off the yep. table. Yep. And then one hand. And, and then that's one it. Hand. Try right, not to dent go. it. Yep. Oh, that's a bad dent. Oh, yep. And we just spilled on the $500 mic. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's totally It's okay. a lot harder than it looks, man. Honestly, it I is. thought I had that. You had a great start, and then the dent really ruined you yeah. there. So we're going to give it a 4-2 to start us off. But Lonry, <laughs> right, welcome that. to the show, yeah. baby. <laughs> Dude, I'm hyped. You've um you've been hibernating for the last few days. I have, You've been man. in your room, I really huh? have. Um, I mean, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Uh, we were just We just did a crazy run. Uh, like four shows in like two and a half days. So I just got back so cooked. And that's not Coachella. That's something. This is the week after Coachella. Okay. Fuck. So where were you? Uh, We were in Vegas, Toronto, and Houston. Yeah. Wow, really bouncing up and down. Oh, we bounce up and down everywhere. Man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, and do shit. you guys fly commercial normally? Do you fly private? What's that kind of like? Uh, so it's commercial when we're like, um, we're in the States. Mm-hmm. But when we get to Europe, there's like so many shows that like it's not physically possible to fly commercial. So we'll just, we'll, we'll get the jet. Nice. <laughs> and that'll be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I only got to experience the jet life a few times and uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. You're yeah. on the toilet seat in the back. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> dude, so you, you just shot Coachella for the first time right yes but yeah, you had you've been to coachella multiple times so as a many fan. times yeah. how many times mm-hmm. do you think you've been as a fan uh as a fan i guess seven okay okay seven. What, so seven this times. like this this would be the eighth and ninth what's more fun shooting in it or being in there as a fan oh that's tough that's tough it's just because it's I, as go, yeah, going as a fan i feel like i was like in a different stage in my right. well, life and career like i think being there like the whole mystique of like oh i wonder what it's like to actually shoot that was like kind of the appeal to it so yeah. like it's always nice to have that dream but then when you're actually doing it you're like oh my god like you kind of remember that you wanted this so bad five six years ago and you know that's like a whole different level of happiness so it's like being in the sahara tent for the first time yeah exactly like, oh this is sick i remember i just like coachella was my intro into like the edm dj space mm. just like back in the day sahara tent was like the main tent where it was only djs like now there's like rappers and stuff but I just remember watching like Zed my senior year of college or senior year of high school being like, what is this? And like, I like this. Yeah, like, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was sick. Um, I've never shot Coachella. I'm very jealous that you've gone to do it. Like it's definitely a bucket list thing to do, especially just like in the concert photography, videography world. Yeah. Which weekend was like better oh, if, if there was because I've 
usually go weekend one, but I have gone weekend two and like there's the whole mm-hmm. stigma around like, oh, it's like the influencer Olympics weekend one and then yeah. weekend two is more for like the music. So I was wondering like from the crowd perspective mm-hmm. was like either weekend one or weekend two better? There was, de- I mean, this is like a, a question that either I get asked or I think about all the time, even like when you're going or when you're shooting. Um, but seeing it from our perspective this time, we definitely saw a louder crowd reaction weekend two. Wow. But I think it's because, well, partly because, yeah, people that go weekend two are pretty crazy. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're there for the music and not so much there for, like, just to be the first ones to be at Coachella. Yeah. But also, like, a lot of the videos that we put out after Weekend 1 went viral. And I think, you know, people are starting to sing along to these songs that aren't even released yet. So, like, I think when we, they were, like, anticipating it so much that when we were finally out there, we were just hearing them roar. Like, yes. like a, a kind of, like, thing that we didn't really get Weekend 1 because they didn't really know what to expect. But, yeah. like, now they're, like yeah okay it's on but fisher and chris lake have been doing a few like back-to-back shows right yeah yeah they've done this for like four years now um there's actually a whole story behind it we're doing a documentary on it um i'm gonna tell like the entire story kind of how it like originated at first because it was like kind of a spur of the moment thing at a festival and then people really liked it and so they started like you know actually doing hard ticket sales like fisher back-to-back chris lake and that went crazy and so they've been doing them all over the world now. When so. you say back to back for people that don't know, does that mean they're performing right next to each other? Right? Yeah, the yeah. Same so time. when two DJs like like perform at the same time and mm-hmm. like you know they'll switch, like maybe he'll play two songs, mm-hmm. two songs, two songs, or like oh, they'll great. mix their, their songs together. It's called a back to back. Okay, sick. Yeah, dude. yeah. They're fun. literally back to back. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, it's got yeah, yeah. Well, maybe someone didn't know. You so know? I didn't know that. I thought the documentary you're working on was specifically for Coachella. I didn't realize that there's kind of like a deeper uh, backstory to it of them actually having done these back-to-back shows for a minute. Yeah, that was a big thing I really tried to pitch with this because like I've always wanted to make a Coachella documentary. Like there's a lot of really cool ones out there like Martin Garrix's and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Skrillex's that I've watched for forever and like always wanted to like, oh my God, like I want to do a Coachella thing. But then, you know, it would kind of just kind of get washed away with like, oh, just another Coachella video. I think what really makes this one unique is the story behind their back-to-backs and like how, you know, how big they've gotten, how how well these guys mesh together. And like, you know, we have, it's, it's all like the same management team, all the same crew, like the same family that we're always together with. And so uh, that's like a special connection that I really wanted to, to dive into and tell the story of, um, because the, one of the biggest goals that they had when they started doing that four years ago was to play Coachella. And, you know, now we get, they get to headline it as, you know, them too, under construction is what they call it. But yeah, it's just, it's a really like, it's, it's just telling the story of how it's reached the pinnacle of what they tried to achieve. And like, it just went as good as it could possibly have gone. Yeah, you were telling me, I was like, did anything like go wrong or whatever? Like, dude, they were super happy with the shows, which is awesome. Yeah. And so I want to get into like the nitty gritty of like your process of like making the documentary and everything. You had worked and showed us like that earlier doc, the 30 minute piece that Mm -hmm. you made about Fisher putting on his own festival in Australia. Yeah. Was that your first endeavor into like the documentary space or even like specifically within the music industry? I would say yes, in a sense, um, I guess, because what I had been doing with Fish for the past year was, um, you know, the, the social media recaps, like those small, uh, like one minute, 30 second Which recaps. Which are hilarious. Like <laughs> if you guys haven't checked those out, you absolutely crush them. Thanks, man. Those yeah. are so much fun to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, we always had, you know, aspirations to do even bigger things. And so that kind of came with the YouTube stuff. But even that like is, is turned into like more of like a, or didn't turn into, but it's more of like a vlog as opposed to like a, like a, a storied out documentary. And so when we went to Australia, I knew I was like, okay, this is like a really big opportunity to, cause it wasn't as many shows as we typically do in a month. Cause it was all just our shows. I think we had seven as opposed to like the 20 we would usually have on the road. 
So I'm like, okay, we have time to breathe between these. We have like, everything is kind of under our control because he's the one putting on the festival as opposed to like, you know, we don't know what the stage is going to look like or we don't know like, you know, where we're going to, whatever. So I was like, okay, look, we can do something really big here, but I didn't really, there was no pre-production. There was just, all I knew was like in, in my heart that I wanted to do something bigger. And, um, you know, I went and got a new camera. I had like, you know, I had other shooters there that was like, okay, yeah, can you get this shot? Can you get that shot? And I was like, it was kind of like the first time I was really able to, you know, direct a bigger idea, even though I didn't really know what it was going to be. Um, and then looking back on it, like I tried to turn it into a documentary um, in the editing room. And uh, there was a lot of things that I learned. I was like, well, if we, if we had like pre-planned this and actually, you know, done like proper interviews or like, you know, everything like that, it would have looked more like a documentary right now. It just looks like a really beefed up YouTube video with a story. But, um, you know, I took those lessons and I'm kind of, I'm putting that into what we're doing with Coachella, which, you know, we've done 20 times more of the prep than what we did for Australia in terms of, you know, our content. And I think it's really going to pay off. So the Coachella documentary is Coachella. It's like the documentary of them doing these back-to-backs at Coachella. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's like the genesis. That's like the concept, basically. In a way, yeah. It's like where there's two basic stories, like where it's like the stories of the back-to-backs mm-hmm. and then the stories of like how Coachella has defined both of their careers. Because I don't know if you know, but like the first time Fish played Losing It was at the Do Lab. Oh, sick. And that's when he first oh. started doing the wrist flick and everything. <laughs> and so that was kind of like the, you know, the launching point of basically of like, his career how he became a superstar you know so there's a lot of stories to tell him that like you know that personal connection like oh this is what Coachella means to me and then there's also an intersection there with because the back-to-backs their goal was to do Coachella at some point Mm. so those two stories kind of come together and then we get into the actual show sick do you have any like archival footage of him doing like so much sick like do lab and stuff yeah that kind of stuff it's it's pretty crazy to see because it's like he wasn't like it, it, it. No one had heard losing it yet, you know. Right, and yeah. this is a song that, like, you know, almost won a Grammy for, and like, it's a song that's almost six years old now, and you can play, and it still sounds like it's brand new, yeah. you know. So it's like that was like a moment in history of like of, of like music history. I feel like watching mm-hmm. that, and so you know, I really hope we can elevate that and bring that story back to life. It is really crazy to see like how big house music and EDM as a genre has become. Like yeah. the fact that they are on that stage that they performed on, like. You typically are listening to it either in the do lab or like Sahara tent, but the fact that it's become so like mainstream is yeah. really impressive. I want to get into like what did you learn in that original video, the the longer piece of the Australia festival? Like what mm. did you learn from that process that you took into making this Coachella documentary? I learned that pre-production is everything. It's mm-hmm. like pre, 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 and then the actual like shooting is like such it's not a small part, but like relative to the rest of what you do it's it is a small part mm-hmm. you know what i mean um because i'm usually the, like in my whole career i've kind of just been like okay i'll shoot as much as i can and then you know make something in the edit room that's kind of always been my thing with the recaps with the youtube videos like that's always kind of been what i do and it's worked i also think that like as creators like that's just kind of how we all go about it when we're mm. first starting out it's mm-hmm. so much yeah. just like run and gun and like oh, we'll, figure and yeah, 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 yeah. we'll figure it out yeah yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out later you know yeah. and like I remember like, um, you know, when I was like learning how to write treatments and everything, I just, I didn't like it at all. Cause I'm like, I just want to go out there and, and film. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't want to have to like write this all out and like, you know, try to pitch it. But like once you, you know, once, especially after that Australia um, experience, it really showed me that like, okay, yeah, this is actually very important. And like, this is going to make the difference between you just being like a proper documentary or, you know, just another video. And I think, you know, that kind of got me over the hump of being like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this, you know, the right way. 
you know, I made the treatment, I pitched it to them. We have all these storyboards. We have, you know, all these like outlines of what we want to do in terms of the story. And then, you know, by the time that we actually got to the ground at Coachella, I was like, oh, thank God we did all that because, you know, we know how this is going to look and we know that it's going to be really good. You had your playbook. Yeah, it's such exactly. a it's such a leveling up moment when you go from like, I feel like at first it's like we just shoot a lot of shit and then we're editing it together. I'm like, oh, those kind of like lined up. Cool. <laughs> that was cool. And then the next time you shoot, you're like, this shot and that shot are going to transition while you're shooting. You're thinking about it in your head. So you have like one planned thing. And then when you have it all fucking planned, then it gets really sick, you know? Yeah. And that's like the whole, that's like the, the top, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that's such a mental process mm-hmm. to get up there. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's the first time I've really gotten to like go through that process with Fish. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, before I was working with him, I was, you know, doing like commercials and things like that where you kind of have to, like, that's it. That's kind of like the whole you know, thing. Yeah. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Like you, it's, you can't do a commercial without actually you know, having a storyboard mm-hmm. and a script and all that. So it's like, you know, when it comes to the music stuff, though, when I first started touring with them, it was mostly just like, okay, show, 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 make whatever you can out of what you get. Like, there wasn't really time to breathe. There wasn't time to stop and think about, like, you know, a script or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it came to April, we, you know, we have just the two Coachellas and then a couple shows at the end. I'm like, okay, look, we have time in between here. This is a really big show. Now we can actually, you know, take the time to delve into pre-production and, and planning and everything. And that's, you know, I'm really grateful I got to do that with him. Because, you know, I think it's just going to open the door to, you know, us doing a lot more of that kind of, you know, production in the future. How is that working with him specifically on the project? Because obviously with every artist, it's going to be different on their input, on if, you know, if he's super hands on. Sorry, I just had to hit a quick 10. It was bad. It was bad. If it's more. And if it's more collaborative with the artist, what was that kind of like working with Fish on that kind of level? Um, In terms of like like his input and like yeah, how and his input is? and kind of like you pitch him the ideas, he giving you more and you're kind of working off of it. What did the collaboration process look like with him? It's it's honestly like it's a dream it's like a dream artist, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like a lot of times when you're, when I've worked with, you know, any other artist, like mostly just in the music industry, it's like, they kind of just like, okay, yeah, do something and I'll tell you if I like it or not. Fish is more like, he comes from a background of like, he he, got, he first got like, you know, traction and, and, and big and fame from like making YouTube videos when he was a surfer in Australia. You know what I mean? You can go back and watch all the, the Fish Tales episodes. Like he's always been like media content minded. And so him and I will bounce ideas like, you know, like it's like it's it's so easy to just like he understands the language mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm like okay like if, if we get this shot he'll be like okay yeah i really want to portray this and i'm like okay yeah if we cut it this way or we like you know put a title here like oh, oh we should also do this and like it's just so easy to to, to bounce off because mm-hmm. he understands where we're coming from because he used to be the guy sitting down and editing all of his content you know that's so helpful to, i don't know if you've oh ever seen God. any of his old stuff it's really funny because he yeah. used to he, he was a professional surfer yeah but then the the youtube videos that he was making it was like he was commentating kind of within like the surfing industry but yeah. he was doing like comedy bits within mm. surfing uh, and then he started doing he had a, a dj duo right with um uh cut snake yes yeah you can look back at all of his old videos and realize okay yeah this is the same fish he's never changed mm-hmm. you know he's like just gen people ask me like is he like that like in written in, uh, in yeah. like he's he doesn't fake anything for for wow. the camera at, at, at any point huh. you know what i mean he's always that energetic he's always that like fun loving just good genuine person and what, like, what was some of the gear that you brought in your arsenal to create this documentary um so i actually partnered with um i don't know if you guys know nate vogel um, he's uh, he's been a, a tour photographer for very very long. Is he related to Maddie Vogel at all? No, 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 no. Okay, he's related to to Sam Vogel, who's Jaws. 
Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So mm, um, sure. he's a guy that I've looked up to for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is Jaws, <laughs> swimming, and eating people, and shit. Anyways, keep going. Um, but no, he's a guy that I looked up to for a long time before he was touring way before I was touring. You know what I mean? And so we we got we were able to to you know bring him on. So he had his um his Canon R six and R five and um. No, he didn't bring the R3, but he, his R6 and R5, and then I brought two Sony A7S 3s Um, you know. <laughs> We're cannon boys. What's up? Oh, yeah. Sony. Sony. There we go. Oh! <laughs> it's fine. It's literally no problem. You know, it's clean. Yeah, and we're yeah. back. All right. And that's how it's done. So A7S3, right. you had an R6, R5. Yeah. Two yeah. A7S3s. Two A7S3s, R6, R5. And so you were just chefing. Just chefing. Just going. And, and was there a plan for like, hey, I'm going to move over here. I need you to stay put on the artist or how did you kind of navigate that whole situation? Chase I, and I have done the, the comms mm -hmm. thing with mm -hmm. hand signals and I'm like, Chase, <laughs> and he'll and he'll go across and I'll make my move, push up in the artist. Yeah. yeah. What, what did we have? <laughs> no, dude, we did some stupid shit. We could have just been like, I'm going up. It was more like if I nod if three I, times <laughs> and you acknowledge with a two. With a two, then yeah. we're going to change. And if I go crisscross, then you swap yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and it worked. He, no. Because <laughs> we'd both be looking at a thing and I'd be looking and I'm like, and he'd be getting his shot. You know, yeah. it didn't work at all. Never worked. Oh man, so much more complicated than earpieces is what we need. Yeah, yeah walkie do you, talkies. Do you walkie at like Coachella or is it too loud? No, we didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I feel like it just like too many wires. Mm -hmm. I go, like it kind of makes sense. I mean, we did. We tried to do that at one of the Australia shows, and I was just like, oh, guys, I'm not doing this. I can't. Yeah. I tried doing that once too, and I was like, I can't hear shit. I don't right. understand. The, the, the walkie thing. This. The walkie thing. I, d I had the walkie thing right here and I was like, this is really annoying because it's like plugging on mm. my on my collar. And then I did another one where I had like full on headphones on. I was like, I look like an idiot right, right. now. And like, I don't like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah DP just... stay with rocking the headphones. Always. Well, on like set, they have it. But yeah, I have yeah, for, yeah. Yeah, for festivals. Like on yeah, set, so I'd, I'd be yeah better with that. But like if you're running around, like, yeah, it's yeah. loud. Mm -hmm. like, it's just more of a burden than, than really anything. Mm -hmm. You know, if I need Nate to go like get something, I'm like, I'll just text him, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. from week one to week two, did the approach change or were you pretty loud? locked in week one and it just kind of carried over or was there a lot of things that you saw were like oh we need to get that moment or yeah there were a few things because i feel like the first the first weekend we really wanted to shoot everything like a documentary as opposed to how we normally shoot shows which is like to get like social content mm. you know what i mean so like nate did a great job he we had him at front of house and like he was running getting the crowd shots and like you know just shots of the artist from the pit and everything and you know we had so much footage that was you know it's going to really work for a documentary but then Moving into weekend two, we were like, oh, what if we had this angle from like behind the people that we had on stage? Or, like you could use a monopod and a fisheye to go up here. Cause like most of the stuff that we're gonna use for the doc is gonna be weekend one stuff. So we wanted to think more in like social media terms for weekend two. And you know, he just knocked it out of the park. So did you have time to review the footage you got from weekend one? Or like, oh shit, we need this angle, or like we yeah. if we need to redo that shot for weekend two? Yeah, we didn't we wasted That's no nice. time. We were just do like you, the next day. Do you stay does the do the artist stay in Coachella Valley between the weekends? Like do they just hang out all the, the like in the like week? In a, yeah, in a house. Yeah, some people do. Mm -hmm. Most people do, I feel like. They don't um, go the back guys to LA did. or anything. Uh, nah. Did you? I did, yeah, yeah. He showed up at like four in the morning. Just oh, really? You just sent <laughs> yeah. it back? I just sent. Uh, no, no, not right after. <laughs> okay. Like I, I needed like a half day to like recover, and then I drove back. Weird. What's it like having an artist band at Coachella? It's pretty it's sick. sick. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it's sick. Such dream. a dream. It's pretty. Yeah. It's I went just, to VIP this year for the first time, and I was like, ah, kind of sick, but like yeah. not as sick as laundry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's 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 just like a lot less headache, especially yeah. after you know going GA for six seven years and like you know, all the lines that you wait in or mm -hmm. like, you know, having to 
it's pretty much like like you just don't have to wait for anything mm. you can like walk in you can go through like the back ways get golf carts you know what i mean it's kind of like you can pee whenever you want you can pee uh, just right in the middle of the, of the, of the festival you can, you can piss on the floor dude <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been on the road for like a year and a half touring and doing this stuff right doing yeah. the concert stuff yeah wow how are you holding up because we have a rock that just left the ship and you're mm. still you're still on the ship you're still grinding and like i see i don't see you a ton here and i'd love to like hang out with you more because you're always <laughs> you're gone all the time or like recuperating or in the cave sketch boy hours you know doing your stuff mm. how have you you know grown to be accustomed to that life on the road and what advice would you have for someone who might be wanting to get into this or someone who's maybe done it for a minute how you kind of recover and recuperate on your time when you're not actually physically on the road because obviously there's not a ton of time to sleep on the road from what i'm understanding and from like multiple people that i've talked to in the industry you guys are working a lot but when you do get that downtime kind of how do you get yourself back on track and get your energy back that's a good question because i feel like that answer kind of changes mm. um i don't have like a set formula for what i do every single time i need to to you know recuperate or mm -hmm. anything sleep is super important i've learned that <laughs> you know because like a lot of a lot of the shows that we do will be like you know three to six a.m and so your sleep schedule will kind of just be backwards, especially when you're editing after that. So when I was doing with Loud Luxury, the latest we would go on would be like 1.30 a.m. in Miami. But you've told me that you've started shows anywhere from like 3 a.m. or like, what, 8 a.m. at like Space or something like that? <laughs> yeah, like so, crazy. And that's what? in Miami. What? Space oh, also, Miami. okay, also, can you share the story of the first show you did with him? Because yeah. wasn't it in Space? Yeah, so the first show that's I ever crazy. do, yeah. I, I mean, I'd been to Space, uh, it's this club in Miami that's still open 24 hours. Um, 24 hours. 24 hours um like basically yeah 24 hours and then um <laughs> i would have loved if we never specified it's in miami and just kept talking about like being in space and <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no basically they were telling me like oh yeah like we're gonna do a set of space is gonna be the, the the first one i ever did and so i'm like okay cool maybe it'll be like it's a house show so maybe like you know, two three hours and so we get to the club at like 4 30 <laughs> in the morning and i'm like oh, wow all right so i guess we'll be done at like what seven uh -huh. and so we get on like he starts playing at 4.30 and I'm like, all right, cool. We could get around to 6.30. I'm like, all right, almost done. 7.30, 8.30, 9.30. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa is this like, I look, I looked at uh, Brett as the manager. I'm like, is this normal? He's like, this is normal. Get ready. <laughs> and then we end up going until noon. What? Yeah. Did you have enough like batteries I had for that? just enough batteries. <laughs> like I would have ran out in like space. You probably had to start, did you like, at, at like what point do you stop shooting a ton of stuff where you're like I've probably gotten this over the last six hours and I, mean, I don't need to get it again I like wanted I wanted to like impress them and like, yeah, be like okay look, I'm, I'm, I'm down with this so uh, like I basically shot like every single drop holy for that shit whole and it's also one of those things where it's like if this is your first show with him, you don't want to have him look over you. Right. And I'm not like, doing it. You're not shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And passed out behind the yeah, booth. Yeah. That's so funny. How the fuck do they all, that's just so insane, dude. I mean, people have played there for like over 24 hours, 30 hours. And they're just, and so is he, he's just used to it at this point. It doesn't even yeah. phase him. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. DJs are built different. DJ builds are so yeah. different, dude. That's, I mean, it's just different when you're like in that setting. Like, yeah. like I don't know. Like it, it's, if, it's something about the music, the, t the kind of music, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like repetitive, but like groovy enough to keep you in it mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, you don't even realize that it's been five, six hours, you know? <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, that's, that's so, so crazy. Yeah. So, okay, that was your first show with him. How was it that you got linked with him in the first place? So um, it was through his tour manager, actually, okay. Juan. Um, so I had met him about four years ago, I think, and we had worked on a bus tour um, with a different artist. 
Um, and kind of that was like the last time that I saw him for a while. We we like stayed in touch and like you know we like message each other on Instagram and whatnot. But then one day randomly, it was just like, hey, like got a cool opportunity for you. Like we need we need someone to shoot Miami Music Week. And I thought it was just going to be like a one time thing. So I was like, okay, yeah, I said that'd be that'd be a cool gig. I was still working full time at Microsoft. So I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can still, I can go do this over the weekend and then, you know, come back. So do my job. Um, and basically I get there and he shows me like the summer schedule, which is like, he's like a like hundred, 150 shows. And he was like, yeah. So basically if everything goes well, like, you know, I can, we can, we can push to have you on, on this whole thing. And I was like, what? Like, is this going to be like, like, it was like seeing the opportunity to like quit my job and do this full time for the first time. So I was like, wow, this is, this is, you know, this is going to be huge. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of just, I think we just worked really well together. He liked what I did. And then by the end of the weekend, he was like, yeah, you're hired. So I was like, sweet. Was the camera stuff prevalent in your life? Like in college, you went to like one of the worst schools in the PAC 12 where my dad went actually (laughs) university of Arizona. Stay down, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You and my dad. So like, was were you doing stuff? You were in a fraternity. Were you filming a bunch of stuff or did it, did you graduate and you're at Microsoft? You're like, oh, I might like pick up the camera stuff. What was that kind of like? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been making videos since I was like eight. Okay. So it's been, it's been forever. It's always been like, kind of like the thing that I do, mm-hmm. you know? But um, when I got to college, I didn't really know what like a career in video would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was very much like, okay, I need to get like a high paying job mm-hmm. because my parents are sending me here and spending all this money. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of stopped doing it for a while, but I was like working in music as like a promoter and like selling tickets. And so, you know, I did that for about three years. At, at, at Arizona? In Arizona, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like in the Arizona music scene. So I did that for about three years and I'm seeing more and more like, I'm following more people in the industry and seeing all, all these recap videos and being like, oh my God, this is so sick. Like, I know how we did that. I know how we edited that in the back of my mind. I'm like, I know I could do this. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, towards like the summer before my senior year, um, I just, you know, had no real idea what I was going to, I didn't have any job offers. I was doing computer science and hoping that it would take me somewhere, but I, I had no prospects at the time. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna do it. This is my last kind of opportunity to be, cause I'm, it was, I'm in like this really, you know, it was a big party environment. So I knew it was like parties that I could film, DJs coming to town all the time. So I was like, mm-hmm. where, like this is kind of like my last year to capitalize on the opportunity that I have living in Tucson. And so I just, you know, spent the rest of my money on a camera and kind of just used the connections that I'd made being a promoter to be like, hey, like, you know, kind of come shoot the show for free. Um, you know, can I, you know, uh, a frat would have a party, like, oh, I'll, I'll come shoot your show for free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that kind of turned into like, I would get paid 50 bucks. I'd get paid a hundred dollars and like, you know, start getting paid 300, 400 bucks. I'm like, wow, like, this is, this is kind of sick. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's not really enough to, to, to live on. I didn't see it as that way. You know what I mean? And so I got a really sick opportunity with Microsoft um, as a software engineer. And I took that route and I, I pretty much thought like that was going to be my life. Cause I mean, it was getting, I was getting paid well. I liked the job. I liked coding. You know what I mean? It was like something I was like, actually interested in but i still just wanted to to do video like that was like something that i was like dying to do um and yeah i funny funny enough actually i went back to arizona for like a career fair to go recruit people to work at microsoft and then there was and i just brought my camera with me because i've always got my camera everywhere and there was like this massive party happening on the campus and they're like yo like are you in town like do you have your camera by chance and i was like yeah i was like can you come film i was like okay sick and then I filmed it and the clip went super viral. It was for Carnage. It was Carnage. It's mm. Gordo now, but it was Carnage at the time. 
um, the clip went super viral and that kind of like reignited like, okay, wait, maybe I can still do this at the same time as I have my job. You know what I mean? So that kind of turned into me like working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hour week, Monday through Friday to leaving every single weekend to go do a show Fuck. for like a different artist every here and there. You know what I mean? Like I had been doing that all the way up until about a year and a half ago when I started, when I, you know, quit and went full time with fish. It's sick. Cause you're kind of like Batman, you know, in that where you're like, you know, computer science, you know, you're like kind of just like stuck in the office. I don't know if you were working in the office, yeah, but it it's was. like pretty, you know, tame, like, Mm. mental you know and then you're like yeah but i fucking send it with the djs on the weekend <laughs> that's like, in the dark dude like parties and shit and then you're like back oh, to Jekyll and Hyde. That's, yeah. 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 For real. that's how it felt i felt yeah. like i was living a double life yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i wouldn't like I, I didn't tell my boss or really uh, anyone at the company because i was like scared of yeah. losing my job i didn't know if they would be cool with it yeah. so I, like, I would only tell like very like like maybe two or three people at the company mm. that like i was like close with them be like they would they would be the only ones that know like dude how are you doing this uh, like it's like it's a completely different lifestyle being a software engineer like <laughs> in seattle and then like going to la or miami mm. on the weekends and like being in music so like it looked kind of it looked pretty wild to you know the people who were in on yeah, it yeah once you started doing like the hannah montana thing when did you know <laughs> when did you know though that like this is like i'm for sure gonna try and pursue this or because like you you get this insane opportunity with fisher but before that when you're just doing the weekend shows are you like mm okay, if I could do like four of these, like I could make my rent and this would make sense. Like, yeah, what was kind of that thought? Process? It was like, like, I was like, I just need someone to believe in me enough to take mm -hmm. me on tour. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of tough when you don't, you know, when you can't like immediately like commit to somebody. Cause I mean, I, I had to keep my job, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Exactly. I was only doing these one-off shows here and there. There wasn't enough of like a, a relationship that I could build in that little amount of time mm -hmm. for someone to be like, okay, yeah, come on the road with me for a year. You know what I mean? And where were you living after graduating from Arizona? So I, I moved to Seattle. That's okay. where that's where Microsoft's headquarters. Gotcha. Is that how you know Kariko? Uh, that's how I know Kariko. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. Uh, it's Small wild. world. Small I know, world. man. It's crazy, dude. That's so crazy. You're going every weekend. I just I'm picturing like fucking like Gary's like, oh, wouldn't you know, on a picnic with my family. <laughs> the water cooler conversation, corporate office. Monterey's like, yeah, so, yeah. I was like in Miami, like all night long partying. <laughs> super hard. It's like I, just, I just flew back an hour. Right. Ago. Oh, yeah. How are you getting those weekend gigs to do those shows? Um, just like word of mouth. Okay. Like, oh, like, hey, like someone's filmer can't make it. Like, can you come? You, can you come do the show? Or like, um, I would, I would, I used to apply to film at festivals, like to get like a media credential, and then just go shoot it on my own, and like, you know, just like have like a portfolio. Um, those I wouldn't get paid for. You know, what I didn't I mean? even but know you just could like, do that. Yeah, you can. That's cool. That's kind of a hack. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot for kids who want to get into yeah. it. Mm -hmm. what, what's shit. like, yeah, what's the, what are like the details on like how to apply for that? So it really helps if you have like the backing of like a like a like a magazine or like a publication mm. or like a like a popular social media account. Like I don't know if you guys remember College Weekly. Yes, mm -hmm. yep. dude, yeah. that's how I got to shoot my first music festival. Really? Ever? Yeah, it's shot Sasquatch with College Weekly. No way. Yeah, that's and wild. I, and I wasn't supposed to film, and they told me no filming, only pictures, bro. And I met this random dude who was a little sketchy, and he goes, "Yo." we should go on stage for Jai Wolf. And I'm like, fuck yeah, we should go. I'm like, how are we going to do it? He goes, we're just going to walk back and we'll go get the security guys a bunch of food. So I we went and got the security guys sandwiches and water. Smart. And he goes, what are you guys for? We're, we're, we're Jai Wolf's guys. And they go, you guys are treating us so good. Like, yeah, he's like, they've never done this. I'm like, yeah, well, we're just with the festival. So just yeah, don't yeah. really give us any trouble when we walk back. He goes, dude, do it. <laughs> you want. And we walked up on stage and I was like, Oh, but it was for College Weekly. Yeah. So yeah. random. If you dude. treat the security well, yeah, you Yeah, the security get guys are homies, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Small world. That so is you crazy. shot with College Weekly, too? Yeah. So basically, like, I knew the guys who started it. 
What was it? Uh, Yofre? Yofre started like I'm Schmacked. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then yes. Um, I met Curtis at U of A. Curtis, oh my God. Yeah. Dude, this is such a small <laughs> world. This is crazy. I can't believe you know, man. That's crazy. Oh my God. I, no, I, yeah. I remember the Yofre guy. Very, we talked a lot back yeah. in the day. That's yeah. so fun. No, he's the man. They put me on to like really like the first opportunities I ever had. How cool. That's nice. It's funny. The first like festival that I used like a college, like, like an application mm-hmm. for like to, to apply for like a media credential. I, I was like, yeah, I work for this publication college weekly. We have 50 million impressions over all these uh, social media platforms. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, yeah, here, here's a pass. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to shoot a music festival. This is so sick. But then they told me the same thing. Like no video, yeah. only photos. Uh-huh. Like, and you can't go on the stage and you have to like, you can only be in the pit for the first three, three songs. Yeah, dude. Then you figure that out. And, and I was like, like uh, uh Okay, well, I'm just gonna go try and pretend like I'm supposed to be there, and I mm-hmm. just walked backstage and I was just like, flash the camera, like, okay, you're good. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, awesome. So funny. What dude. was that first camera you bought in college? Uh, an A7S II. Nice. Oh, that so camera. You started, pretty, you started pretty hot. Big. Yeah, you started yeah. pretty hot with the first. That camera said, no hit that was so like, hard. That was the first like pro camera. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know that, I, mean? I feel like of our generation when we were all in like our, yeah. you know, eighteen to twenty-four. Whatever. That was like the first one that like popped That's out. That's my day. That was such an important camera. <laughs> it was, dude. It was, pi- have, it was pivotal for like. <laughs> I was rocking an A6500. No, I, I remember <laughs> the first kid who got the A7S II. You because like I remember at college it'd be like everyone like whoever's making videos there's like fifteen of us or whatever. Yeah, and the one kid got the fucking a7s2 and you see it, i'm like how does michael shoot in the fucking dark right right, <laughs> right. Going, be like at the party and i'm like yeah. my footage does not look like right. this from my ship bro that's like so you're cranking 8000 yeah, iso what so how is funny. that working oh my god dude how yeah, cool man. that's i mean i love to hear how people are in you know a regular nine to five and then make the transition because I, I think tons of people want to do that and like a lot a lot of people never get the courage to do so so i mean shout out to yeah. you i think that's awesome now you're traveling every weekend and living the dream. Shot Coachella the last two weekends. Fucking yeah. dope. It's amazing. Do you think you're going to have time to cut the documentary? Or how's that going to happen? <laughs> I want to be the one that cuts the documentary. I'm very like, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like I mm-hmm. like to have my hands on what I make and what goes out. Totally. And I have a tough time kind of delegating. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's kind of, it's coming back to bite me right now because there's a lot on my plate, especially after Coachella and like, you know, having to still to do the YouTube stuff. So now we're looking at, you know, people to bring on and, you know, people that I got to learn how to trust. Or I got to learn how to like, you know, direct and, and, you know, get the vision that I want to get out. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to take the first stab at it and then, um, you know, maybe just have someone take yeah, it over from there. That's smart. But like, as long as I have like the main, like the, the meat and bones, like the main, like, I guess story there, the sort of the main timeline there that can have other people come in and refine it and mm-hmm. like, just make the little things that I don't smart. have to do. And once you find someone that you can trust to delegate the workout to, I feel like it'll be just like a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must, you guys must feel that way. Cause yeah. you got, you guys, you guys got guys doing like your clips. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like taking care of things. Cause you guys are Shout fucking out. busy as well. Shout out Keon. Yeah. 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 It is the best feeling when you shoot something and you're like, Oh, I don't have to cut. Oh, this. Oh, <laughs> Dude, hey, that Jacob. Is the best. I know you listen, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Edit this video for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best dude it is I've, I've, I've done things like that like i've shot like commercials and like we have an editor to, mm-hmm. to actually do it so it's like oh thank god i don't have to do all this but mm-hmm. it's like there's also times where i'm like if i make a, a recap video or like a youtube video i will spend time on the most like delicate little deal mm-hmm. i will i will push that little audio track like mm-hmm. two clicks back or like i'll make sure that the clip ends like if it's a second too too long yeah. then i'm like oh no it needs to go back so it's like you know, that's kind of what you give up when you when you have someone else edit for you, I feel like. So I, I just got to get over that hunch and be like, OK, yeah, I, I trust them. Mm-hmm. They're going to have their own vision. They have their own creativity. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, 
I wouldn't want them. When you were looking to leave Microsoft, was there this internal battle going on slash were friends and family supportive of the decision? Because it's such a big, it's a, I mean, it's a huge life change, like a huge life changing moment for you, right? You're like, okay, stable, stability, 401k, Microsoft, big name company. Like Mm. I'm going to travel with a DJ for the rest, like, or for this period of my life. And so how how was that transition was it something that you were battling for a minute or was it like an easy decision in your mind it was definitely a mental battle okay for yeah. for a good amount of time mm-hmm. you know what i mean it was like like you said like you, you you're giving up the stability and like i worked really hard for that job mm-hmm. and like it's something it was like my biggest accomplishment at the time i'm still super proud of it and you know i was like wow like if, if i'm gonna do this tour like i need to completely quit because there's no way i can do both at the same time and it's it kind of just came down to to taking a leap of faith because especially like like in in the music industry media people kind of get fucked over a lot you know and it was like like people will use like like i'm not gonna name names but like like you'll you, the kind of feeling that you get is like you made you're made to feel like you're supposed to be grateful to be doing such a sick job mm. that they'll use that to justify paying you less mm. and like that's very very prevalent in music so i was like or that you're really replaceable like, or that you're yeah. like yeah which is not the case exactly but like you know i feel like people you know they pinch pennies to try to cut costs mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. people like if you don't know how to stand up for yourself you know you're gonna you're gonna get you know you're not gonna get what you deserve mm-hmm. and so i'm really like putting my faith in like i i've done the, the weekends a, a few weekends with them at this point and so i'm really putting my faith in like okay these guys are gonna you know have my best interests mm-hmm. these guys i can trust you know what I mean? To like, you know, take care of me moving forward and like, you know, and it's also like, okay, I also hope that I'm like going to do a good enough job to the point that, you know, I don't get fired in the first month and then I'm like stuck with nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right. so this is like what's going on in my head the whole time. I'm like, do I do it? Do I do it? Do I do it? And I'm like, you know what? Like I, the, the, the cushy Microsoft job did a lot for me in terms of like, you know, getting me to start to start adulthood mm-hmm. but i needed to get out of that comfort zone i could tell because i was just like I, no matter how much work i did there or how good of a job i did i would make the same amount of money every every two weeks mm-hmm. good money but it's like you, there was your motivation to to, to do better right. yeah you definitely. know what i mean and i knew if i like took the leap and you know went into this career path generally like like what i got would be like what i put out would be what i get back mm-hmm. and i feel like that's what I wanted, especially at that stage in my life, because I didn't want to just get complacent. You're investing in you. Yeah, you're exactly. the stock. You're you're literally the stock. Like you're you're taking a, a bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the scariest thing ever. I was so like just terrified, like internally, you know. Um, but then you just gotta. It, I think it's like a, a point that if you really want to to spend your life doing something that you love, that's something that you're gonna have to 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 risk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I best decision of my life i'm so happy i did it fuck yeah but it's oh, like yeah. and i'm sure you can attest to it too man like like you like leaving loud luxury and like not knowing what was going to happen and then boom you get blessings in your life like brand yeah. and everything but you know also I mean? like even when i got the the loud luxury gig i was kind of dealing with that um mental yeah. battle as well of being like okay they're bringing me on for like a few weekends but i'm not locked in like fully as their guy yet so you're really trying to do as like good of a job as you can yeah and then you're kind of just like, I had a couple other like um, like retainer gigs that I was like, okay, if I tell them that I can be available every weekend or I'm like available to shoot during the week with them here in LA, like I gotta be available. So like, I'm gonna have to get rid of these other gigs and like 
well, what if they fire me? Then I'm like, fuck, I'm left with nothing. Or like, what if they only want to work with me for maybe a few months? You definitely have that like mental battle, the mental battle of being like, do I send it or do I kind of play safe? But I think that like sending it is always like the best. Yeah, yeah. especially if you're confident in your abilities. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in the yeah. back of my mind, I was like, look, I know I'm good enough for this. Yeah. So it's like, as long as I show up and I do a great job there the, and don't give them a reason to fire me, give them a reason to want to keep me, mm-hmm. then that's, it's all on me. You know right. what I mean? It's not, it's, I, don't, I can't blame it on anyone else if I fail and I can't, I don't have to, to, to give credit to anyone else if I succeed. You know what I mean? And like, that's, I think the best place that you can be in life. Yeah, it's dope. In a sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. So I want to talk about working with and touring with the same artists versus shooting kind of like random artists weekend to weekend. Um, how have you enjoyed working with like a single artist and learning how Fisher does his shows um, different moments that come along and like how to shoot those shows. It really gives you an opportunity to, to, to get to know someone on like a, on a deeper level. And I think that turns into you making better content because there are things that you don't have to like, when you meet a new artist, you, you, there's a learning curve to like how they like things or like how, how you guys work together. You know what I mean? With fish. Yeah. There's a learning curve. But then like, if we're doing all these shows together um, and you know, we, we get like a consistent thing going, then it's like the, the, the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? You don't have to like relearn anything or re, um, I guess reconnect with anyone else. Like it's really, it takes a lot of the headache out for sure. And it's like, you know, it, it, they really, the, the crew that we got at Aida, like the management company and, and, and everyone that's around them, like they treat you like family, you know? And it's, it's, I'm super, super grateful to be a part of it because it, it makes me like excited to show up to work. It makes me excited to wake up in the morning and be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I get to like, you know, I might be tired as hell, but I get to go be with these guys. You know what I mean? Like the same guys that I like that know and, and love me and I love them. So you're getting to yeah. like tour the world and stuff. Yeah. yeah you've been, you were, you, every, every day I see his stories, like I'm watching Narcos. He's in Colombia. I'm like, what the fuck's going, <laughs> what the fuck's going on over here? Lon Ray's like, what, just, where are you at? He was in Australia. This yeah. I'm like, Cause when's he coming back? He's like yeah, next literally. Tuesday. I'm like, in Australia for a whole month. <laughs> yeah. Doing like the, the European stuff, obviously you have, or even just like other countries, but you have, you know, like the weekend runs where you're like bouncing all over. But then like you got to go to Australia for like a whole month, right? Yeah. So how often are you just doing like the the really short weekend runs versus like spending an extended amount of time in like one city or another country? Um. So basically how how the year will go um, and kind of like this year and last year are shaping up to be very similar. Um like March, April, May, um, we do a lot of uh, U.S. shows, and that'll be more like maybe 10 to 15 shows in a month. Um, and then we'll have the Ibiza residency. So basically, like, like he is like a super, super big, like, uh, uh, it's like, you know how people have Ve- Vegas mm-hmm. residencies, like they'll play every like week or every two weeks. That's what we do in Ibiza. So we play at high um, every week for last week or last year was 16. And I think this year we have 20. So we basically moved to Ibiza for like four months. So fun. So we live there, but then we don't do all our Europe shows, but like come back to Ibiza Mm -hmm. as opposed to coming back to LA. 
Oh, that's okay. So, you know okay. I mean? so you're going on this little Euro tour, and that and yeah. that's what's going to take place this summer. Yeah, yeah. So we have both a Vegas residency and in a visa residency. And you will jet on to, to make that make sense, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Wow, that is crazy, dude. Yeah. We might not see you for. Do you so like fun. having the home base here? Is that re- like because you didn't have it before, right? You weren't living obviously with us. Before. Yeah, yeah. So basically, when I when I looked at the schedule and realized I wasn't going to be home for four months, and like you know, it was also the same thing. Like like I just quit my job. Mm. I don't really know like you know how money was gonna work for like moving forward so I was like why am I I was paying like 2400 bucks to have my West Hollywood apartment so I was like I could save an easy 10 grand right here if I just like move out and don't pay rent mm-hmm. right and so I did that and then I was basically like I got back from Europe and I was couch surfing for like two months before I went to Australia and then um, in Australia I'm checking my Instagram stories and I see Costa's post about this bro five minutes into me posting the story i was like i don't know if anyone's gonna see this like lawn ray hits me up he's like yeah. dude i'll move in Money. i was like please he was like inst- like immediately i was like i was like is he gonna like is that gonna be cool and it, like immediately he was like yes like move in with us I was like, thank god because i was like we need like, a roommate need- especially because you're probably thinking in australia like fuck i'm tired dude. Yeah, like, i want to come home to like a bed yeah like, yeah and yeah. no, i was just I, I was just coming back to couches you yeah, know what i mean i was like I, I, I just want like a, a solid place in la got some routine now yeah exactly like uh-huh. i missed that and then you know i'm looking at all these apartments that are like if I was gonna get anything like this, it was gonna be like thirty five hundred, four thousand. You know, what I mean? I'm like, God, are you kidding? And like, you can sleep, and you still got the blackout curtains I installed. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, dude. <laughs> you can sleep in there, <laughs> dude. Dude, I miss sleeping in there. <laughs> Dungeon. Um, yeah, oh, but no, having that home base is like a huge weight off your shoulders. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When you don't have to keep wondering, like, or not even wondering, but like, like not really having your own spot. Mm-hmm. Like, just when I got a desk again. Yeah. Oh, god i was like thank god yeah. and like having my screen and like mm-hmm. just like my 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 cave <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah like it's it, it makes a whole world of difference when you're you know coming back from four months of like you know being cramped right. into like a like a yeah. like airplane seat and editing on Literally. a laptop all the time yeah. so it's brutal so you've done this for a year and a half yeah maybe a little bit longer I'm tapped out. I'm like, yo, mm. peace out. And I'm not even doing the European stuff. And you feel as though they're family, like you love working with them. Mm. Fisher's only getting bigger. He's sitting on some absolute heaters. Do you see, like, do you know in your mind how much longer you want to do it for being on the road? Like, are you kind of just like, I'm riding with it? Or do you kind of in your mind have an idea of like, hey, maybe I'm going to do it for a little bit longer and then, you know, time to hang it up. So, I never really, I always knew that I wanted to do, to, I just, I just knew I loved to make videos and I love to make media and, you know, and I never really knew what that would like manifest into in terms of like a full career for the rest of my life. I just knew I wanted to keep doing something that I loved and, you know, maybe I'll get an idea of what, you know, title I would want or what kind of company I would want to own. You know what I mean? Like I, a loose idea in my head right now is like, I just, I want to own a production company. I want to be a director. I want to be able to do these big productions and like have it relate to music in some way because I love doing music. And right now it like, I think what with what I have going with Fish, the more he's trusting me, the more he's like giving me these responsibilities or allowing me to do these bigger productions. You know, I think this is, we can just grow together, you know? And I've told him my aspirations and everything. And he's like, he's fully on board. He's like, I can tell that like you got big dreams and you want to do more than just, you know, film the shows, you know? And like, I feel like, you know, I, I, I trust that he's, you know, going to be the guy that I'm going to, you know, build my own aspirations with because I know where he comes from and I know how hard he's worked to get where he is. And I get to learn from someone that, you know, has come up from, mm-hmm. you know, from 
being a small artist and not being one of the biggest artists in the world, you know, he's got a very like sharp business acumen and everything. And like, I'm just watching every, his every move. And I know like, you know, he, he's going to be supporting me and, you know, seeing where this goes. And so I think, I think I'm in a good spot right now. That's dope. That's beautiful. Rise that's, together. Yeah, that's really cool. And so do you see yourself maybe, maybe pitching to him the idea of like, hey, if we are going to be doing these like bigger documentary type projects, mm -hmm. maybe I'm not like touring nearly as much and kind of like still doing sh the bigger shows here and there, but like maybe like you're delegating the editing work, maybe bringing on a second shooter, having somebody else shoot, um, you know, kind of like split time with you or whatever. And then you focus on like bigger projects or do you see yourself kind of just like staying with it being like the guy like through and through um i mean it really it's hard to make a call now because mm -hmm. we don't really know like what the schedule is going to look like yeah. like a year from now or two years from now but i think the main thing is you know we have a good thing going now where i'm boots on the ground i'm the guy shooting up everything i'm the guy editing everything and he trusts that and he, and, he, and he trusts me so i think the next step is now learning how to bring more people on that i can show the formula to you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that he can trust them. And like, it, it'll basically just become like a, you know, more people working in this umbrella. Like a pyramid scheme. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, like multi-level mark, if you draw so like, I'll, I'll have them bring, refer their friends and then they'll refer their For friends. Five bucks each. We'll make this thing work. We'll become right. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by Herbal Lab. <laughs> and Arbonne. All right. That's amazing. Dude. Um, getting a little bit more nitty gritty into like the concerts. You've been doing it for a minute. What advice do you have to kids, um, like specifically for shooting a show? Mm -hmm. um, whether it be like gear or just like different angles to get or like how to shoot a show. Like what have you learned through your process of shooting as many concerts as you have to like get to be able to get the footage and the photos that you do? I know you do like 90% video stuff and like uh, photos here and there, but like mm -hmm. do you have any like specific advice for shooting concerts? Yeah, I mean, I would say don't worry about the gear too much. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of times, especially when you're starting off, you're like, oh, I need to get like the highest on camera or I need to get like this, or the camera that like my favorite filmer uses or, you know, like it's, it's get what works for you and learn how to be really good at what you have. Even if it's a, a T2i or your iPhone or whatever, like just get good at that. Cause after a while it's kind of like copy paste, you know, if you're really good at that, you'll be really good at using a Canon or really good at using any other, you know, piece of equipment. And so don't worry too much about that. But then um, I guess to your point of like, how do I get the shots that I want? So like, you know, like the big pyro shots or the big firework shots, like tap in with the tour manager, tap in with whoever's in front of house. Cause like, they'll usually be like, okay, yeah, we're gonna do a, a pyro drop here. Or like, you know, get ready for this. Like make sure you, you, you build a relationship with not just your artists, but the people that, you know, run the show, everyone that's around you. Because, you know, the more tapped in you are with how the entire show goes, the better off you're going to be. They'll make your life easier. And, you know, you'll get the shots that you need. And then it's also like just knowing what your artist wants. Like mm -hmm. have that, have that, um, have that conversation beforehand. Be like, yo, like how much do you want on the stage? How much do you want from the booth? Like what kind of social clips do you like? You know, what, what can I do differently? What can I do better? And yeah, it's really just all about communication and, and, you know, fostering relationships with people that actually make you know, the show happened. I think tapping in with the tour manager in front of house is like such a key. I didn't realize how, um, how dialed in artists are with like their whole production crew. I thought it was just like, oh, you go up there, specifically DJs, like you go up there, you play songs and right. like you get off and like, they'll maybe put some pyro on the drop, whatever, but it's, it's pretty calculated, especially for like these bigger festivals. So yeah, 
yeah, like tapping in with the with the tour manager and, and front of house and the whole production team, knowing when moments are going to happen, and then you can have a plan going into it um, of like, okay, I want to be here for this moment front of house or like I want to be on stage for this moment yeah there's um, so nothing that's... worse than running all the way to front of house and then the fireworks go off right as you're running uh, <laughs> and you're like ah oh, like try to turn around grab the shot it's all mm-hmm. like blurry or whatever like that's so funny. Nah, yeah. like, preparation is key mm-hmm. preparation changes expectation okay last one I got for you mm. what are some advice to your 18 year old self hmm don't put the camera down you know right. what I mean? I feel like there's a couple years that I could have gotten back. And like, if I didn't like doubt myself in terms of like not knowing how to make a career out of it, I think I've come to learn that like you can make a career out of anything. If you really, really love it, you'll find a way to, you know, as long as you don't worry too much about the money at first, obviously it's important. And like, you know, you need to have a plan, but like, if you really love something like, and, and you're willing to work at it, like you're going to find a way to, to support yourself and like be successful. You know what I mean? Like there are, there are people who, who, you know, do fashion or like paintings or like they're dancers and they're successful. And there's also people that are striving artists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's all about like the work that you put in, the people that you, you know, the, the relationships that you, that you foster and, you know, just believing in yourself. And I think, you know, if I had gotten those like three years back, if I had like, you know, not kind of given up on it, you know, I think my career would be a lot further than it is now. But at the same time, I don't really regret anything because I'm super blessed to be where I'm at. Let's go. I have a buddy that I went to school with. He was a year older than me. I was really good friends with him. And he was like the video guy. And I learned a lot from him. But he ended up becoming a dentist because he was like, I can't make a career out of this. And mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. He like was just convinced that like there was no money in this mm-hmm. career path or like he just couldn't do it himself. But he was extremely talented. And I know that if had he like kept with it and didn't put the camera down he could have fully made a career out of it but i think you're right man i think a lot of times like people will doubt themselves and like maybe don't fully believe that they can totally make this thing in a a career and it's just like not the case yeah and i I think it's only getting bigger dude we've had i don't know how many guests we've had on this show but those are all like very successful people doing cool things in their respective niche and i had the same thing i think in college it was like Everyone around you too, the fucking finance kids, everyone mm. that's like getting has a big dick hundred K plus job lined up. Like, oh, mm. how are you gonna make money with yeah. that? How are you gonna how are you gonna support a family? Whatever. And it's so true. If you it, you can make money doing anything. Yeah. Totally. You know, and I feel like some of the wealthiest people I've fucking met in this last year have been creative people. Yeah. Right. Which is wild because you wouldn't traditionally yeah. think that. And I maybe it's just because we're in LA and we're exposed to those people, but I think that, you know, whatever it is that you wanna put your mind to. If you're not going to quit, you're really hard to beat. Totally. If you're playing the long game, you're very tough to beat if you don't stop. I also think that net, like compared to like 20, 30 years yeah. ago, or like when our parents were growing up, yeah. I get that if it's like, yes. eh, it's not really feasible. Like yeah. right. it's one in a hundred thousand yeah. million chance that mm-hmm. you become a director, or right. make a career out of a, mm-hmm. being a photographer, videographer. Yeah. Now with social media, just yes. like the barrier so entry is like a, a, zero. And everybody yeah. needs some, something, every brand, every person, every artist, mm-hmm. influencer, whatever, everyone needs videos or photos yeah. of them. Yeah. You know? It's totally. not, it's not something that's going away. And think about all the little brands that are coming up that are mm. going to be the next, like totally poppy or leisure, whatever, like these huge, you know, brand. It's just, yeah. it's going to be crazy next few months. Dude. We're, well, thank you for coming on the show. Yes. Yeah, Where yeah, can the people great. find you? What's your Instagram? Uh, at Lonrey everywhere. Okay. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. 
And um, yeah, we're going to link it below. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 60 of Woo! the 505 podcast. Make sure to drop a like, hit the subscribe button, leave a five star review, and we'll see you guys all next week. Peace. Bye. Thank you, boys.